I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. It is a 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. That means we play jams from local bands and artists that you can hear live here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Miss Mac and the Daddies, oh, and they're playing uh, Tuesday at Antone's. Miss Mac and the Daddies. I kind of like that. I'm going to lie, I like that name. Yeah, the name of the song is Daddy Issues. Uh, <laughs> I've met some, um, some folks with some daddy issues in my time before. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Women and men, by the way. All right, daddy issues. Uh, all right, thanks, my man Patrick. Always hooking it up, DJing a five one two Friday. Um, all right, so talk, just talk some Cowboys. We'll break down their uh, matchup versus Jacksonville this weekend. Uh, Jerry Jones keeping the Odell Beckham Jr. story alive. Uh, the Cowboys experimenting at right tackle, and Micah Parsons being asked to clarify his comments on the Von cast with Von Miller uh, that have gone viral and have become bulletin board material uh, in a sense for the Philadelphia Eagles. So Patrick sent me this story and I was like, oh man, I can't believe it's still happening. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones wants everybody to know um, that Odell Beckham Jr. is going to be a Dallas Cowboy. Um, he said, he told uh, USA Today Sports on Thursday, Odell's going to join us. There's a good chance he will with the complete goal of getting ready for a playoff game or two, and then I'll look to the future, but most of it being about now. He didn't reveal any financial details, um, but he just said he's been working out, and of course, he's extraordinary, is what Jerry said. Um, oh my, did Jerry Jones really say this? Oh, he, I'm sure he did. He said, I am hopeful we can get into some important games and have some Deion Sanders-type results. Could this be possible to have a great player like that get in two or three playoff games and make some significant plays? I think very much so. That's an exaggerated thought at all. That's not an exaggerated thought, actually. That's not an exaggerated thought at all. Wow. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's Jerry for you. Jer- and, and by the way, the latest on this, uh, Patrick, shout out to um, uh, Jane Slater, because that's where I got it from, and she is reporting <laughs> – that this is basically a rogue mission for Jerry Jones. Uh, she reported earlier today, she tweeted out, on OBJ and the reporting of USA Today and Jared Bell, everyone I've talked to says, quote, Jerry Jones is driving the bus on this one. So stand by. <laughs> that he owns the bus, so drive it where he wants to. But no, maybe it's happening. Uh, the, way they're, the way they're talking, like, this, I, Jerry Jones says he's going to be a cowboy. 
I'm, I'm assuming that he's, it's going to happen. I just don't know exactly when it's going to end up happening. And I'll say this, too, about because the Cowboys already remember we, we, we said earlier when Odell Beckham, Odell Beckham Jr. visited the uh, Buffalo Bills, they signed Cole Beasley, brought Cole Beasley out of retirement, actually, the next day. Um, when he went to visit the Cowboys, they end up later signing T.Y. Hilton. So it seems like both teams, once they saw Odell Beckham up close and his um, uh, unwillingness to work out for them um, and go through all of their medical eva- evals, uh, they decided to bring in other contingency plans at wide receiver to the point of bringing a Cole Beasley out of retirement. He was with the Buffalo Bills previously, so it makes a lot of sense he knows that system. Um, and the Cowboys did need help because you don't know what James Washington is going to bring you at wide receiver either. So I like the T.Y. Hilton signing. In fact, I love the T.Y. Hilton signing for the Cowboys because they need someone who can stretch the field a little bit more. You can look at average depth of target for uh, Cowboys wide receivers. Um, right, I think Gallup's at 12.8 average depth of target. Noah Brown's at 12.3, but CeeDee Lamb's around 10 yards average depth of target. Uh, you look at T.Y. Hilton, even though we've seen him, you know, uh, obviously have father time, uh, you know, end up winning uh, lately with him because he hasn't been as productive or as efficient or as, ex- as explosive. Um, man, average depth of target for him last year, thir- over 13 yards. Um, it was actually higher in 2020. It was. 13 and a half yards in 2020 his career he's at 12.9 average depth of target he's always been a vertical threat downfield he already provides you a, a a you know a higher average depth of target than all the wide receivers you have on the roster right now that would be the hope that he gets matched up against third best cover guy for the opposing team wherever it may be and then he can just beat that guy and stretch him vertically you know you have the running game that's the I you know that's really the lifeblood of your offense um, but if you can find a another vertical threat to back those safeties up, give you a little bit more space in the intermediate middle third passing area for Dak and uh, Dalton Schultz, that would be ideal. So I think that's what you're looking at from uh, you know the Cowboys and getting T.Y. Hilton. But Odell Beckham Jr., they still want that to happen. I think Jerry Jones, he does it sometimes. He doesn't, it doesn't happen as much as it used to. It used to be something that was egregious and it was a real problem for the, the organization as a whole. But Jerry Jones, and Cowboys fans know this, he will fall in love with a player. He does. He like I fall in love with strippers every time I go to strip club, which is why I don't go to strip clubs as much anymore. Because I will fall in love with a stripper quick. I've known her like I am. I'm like Drake. I'm pretty close to asking one of the strippers to marry me every time I go in there. This is the way it's already. It's the way it is. See that's see that's the difference, Rod. <laughs> I am too cheap. That if I walk in a strip club, I'm like, no, you stay away from me. Stay away from me, devil. You know, I'm gonna be. I'm gonna get kicked out of my house. So you. Can go buy a pair of shoes. Not having. Exactly. No, and you're smart because that's how they end up getting way too much money uh, out of me when I yeah. used to go. And I don't go anymore because I'm smarter now. I'm wiser, <laughs> older and wiser. Because I'm Jerry Jones. I will fall. Jerry Jones falls in love with players, though, doesn't he? I think he's falling in love with Odell already. Maybe he fell in love with Zeke. Gave Zeke that big contract because he loves him some Zeke. I just love me some Zeke. Zeke will play. Zeke is better. Remember, even before, right before Tony Pollard ran off, he was still. Uh, really pushing that Zeke is the focus and the identity of the running game. And he shut up about that lately. He hadn't brought that up lately. Yeah. But before the season, he's like, no, 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 no. This is Zeke's running game. Zeke is the focus of the running game. He's like, no, no. You're the only one who doesn't see it, Jerry. Everybody else sees that that Pollard should be the focus of the running game, that he's more explosive. Not saying you don't need Zeke. You need Zeke. No question. I love the balance they have in the running game. But Pollard is the guy that 
changes the game. Right now, Zeke just moves the chains. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and, and that fact, I think, too, having a fresh Tony Pollard in the fourth quarter is super valuable. No question. And having Zeke there yep. to run the ball as well, make sure you have that. But, yeah, I, it's funny. The, the Odell thing to me has just been so interesting because of the PR spin of it, of how much Odell's camp spun this one way all the way up until he met with those teams, that all the narrative was that uh, – and everyone's talking. Everyone's like, Odell's about to come in and win another ring. Like, that is the way he was. this was being spun. It was. Wherever Odell goes is the new favorite to win the Super Bowl was the spin of it. And then as soon as he had those meetings, the spin was, yeah, no one really wants Odell. He can't yeah, play. Uh, he can't. And then you, it seemed like the Giants, everything pointed to the Giants, but the Giants have apparently decided, hey, man, we ain't paying you. Why are we paying you this year for you to do nothing? And you can't play. And you want two more years after that. Yeah. And so, I, and I mean, for him, it, I think he got that they've basically what their last four games they've lost three and tied one. That if the Giants were being more competitive right now, that they could be in the hunt for a guy it's like true. that. Yeah. But now that they're basically done, the season's over for them. It's not over, but it's over. You know, you know, you know which way the season's heading for the Giants. Yeah, they're plateauing at this point. They're not. Yeah. They haven't gotten I mean, better. Like, they haven't they gotten better lost, in like three weeks. They lost three of their last four, yeah. and the one they didn't lose, they tied the Commanders. Yeah, exactly. So that, that's not that's not plateauing. That is straight regressing down. <laughs> yeah, a, a drop off. And so yeah, I think if he could have been ready to play two weeks ago, the Giants would have been glad to be like, look, we are desperate for a wide receiver. And we will sign you. But when he said, I'm not even going to play this year, especially not on a Giants team who ain't making the playoffs. Jerry says he's going to play. Well, no, but that's different because Jerry says he's playing in the playoffs. The Giants ain't making the playoffs. Oh, I know, but (laughs) even in the playoffs, I'm a little – because the playoffs are happening in, like, what, six weeks? Oh, no, and I also – also, I don't think (laughs) – I mean, I don't know if you want to add a guy in in the playoffs. Exactly. It's like time to to acclimate and learn the plays and the chemistry and all that. Yeah, and especially a guy like Odell, which you're basically saying, what, four targets a game? And Odell, you can't go in there and get hurt again. No, Odell gets hurt again. But I mean, how many over. targets a game are you well, throwing that's Odell's way? A, that's why he wants a multi-year deal. He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want security. Security, yeah. Security, which, yeah, but that's. I, yeah, I mean, you. Like, I think if it, you say, all right, Ceedee Lamb needs eight to ten targets a game. We need to get Dalton Schultz. And Gallup's gonna get five, five to ten. Ga- Gallup's getting five. We need Gallup six. to get five. So you're like, all right, now yep. we're starting to rack Tony these up. Tony Pollard's gonna get three. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. You start racking these up, and you go. In a good case, CeeDee Lamb's getting more than getting 15. Yeah. But you go, all right, now we look. You're getting four to five targets a game for Odell, which means two catches a game. That's crazy. Are you really going to pay a three-year deal for two catches a game in the playoffs if the two drops out of those four targets or those two non-catches are third downs? Yeah, no, if he signs them, I I just think he is one of those things where he fell in love with the player again, and especially if he gives him a multi-year deal. Just, if he gives he him fell, a three-year deal, he, he that blows in love my mind. Yeah. He fell in love with a stripper, and it happens. Like I said, it happens uh, to me. Uh, come he, on, Jerry. He like, remember, he did it with Jalen Smith. Yeah, he signed Jalen Smith to that new deal. I was like, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? <laughs> He's, he just loved him from Jalen Smith. He's really a big Jalen yeah. Smith fan. And every now and then, we know, especially with wide receivers, Jerry's got a big thing because it doesn't happen as much anymore. He's got a big thing, little. Uh, He's got a little fetish for wide receivers ever since his rosebud moment when he failed to draft Randy Moss and then came back to haunt him. And he could be thinking about Odell going to New York and then playing against him and having to worry about that. He hates that. That's a little bit of his rosebud moment there. I think some of that is coming to the surface here because I don't think they need Odell Beckham Jr. for this run. It would be a luxury ride. It would be great, but I don't think they need him for this run. No, and I don't yeah. – for the amount that you're going to use him, it just doesn't make sense. Like, if you're willing to go at that 
pot committed, then go ahead and make the trade for Brandon Cooks. Like, go ahead and figure out that trade. Well, why did you get rid of Amari Cooper? That's what it comes back well, down to look, in the end. We all, all know the way back to but you should you misread the market, miscalculated the market, and you should have just kept Amari Cooper well, for one more or year. Or you should have what the first thing I said before they even traded Amari Cooper. You can't say we will cut a guy if he does not if we don't trade him. You can't say that. I know Jerry Jones is a great negotiator, but come on. From day one, they go, well, we need to get rid of Amari Cooper, and uh, we'll cut him. You're like, well, now you're not getting anything for him. Yeah. But if you would have said, hey, man, Amari Cooper's our number one wide receiver, but we think CeeDee Lamb's going to be our number one, and we don't want a competition, but we have this great piece, and, man, maybe if the right deal comes, hey, if the right deal comes, if the right deal comes, and then you pick up the phone and you're calling everybody go, yeah. you got that right deal? Yeah, I think I think they're, I think they're I think they're still paying the price for a bad decision of misreading the wide receiver market and trading Amari Cooper and getting less excuse way less than market value for what was considered a number one wide receiver and that now they're still kind of playing catch up from that mistake. It's not something debilitating and it's not killing them organizationally, but. You can tell it been their life would have been so much better, so much easier, I should say, from a personnel standpoint, if they had just kept Amari Cooper one more year and decided to but let him go next But also, year. Amari Cooper is not a Jerry Jones guy. Exactly. You know who's a Jerry Jones guy? You know who's Jerry Jones? Deion Sanders, Terrell like Owens, yeah. Des Bryant. Yeah. Those guys who talk a lot, he loves. You know who else talks a lot? Micah. Odell Beckham Jr. And Micah does too. Micah does too. He likes Micah. He, he likes Oh, he likes he Micah. Micah talks so no, he does. I want to say Mike, Micah's gonna get paid so much money because he loves Micah and Micah is actually arguably the best defensive player yeah. at his position or one of the top three. Yeah, if you use so he, him correctly, oh, yeah. Micah Parsons can be the, the biggest difference maker totally on defense. Great. So I with that, with Jerry having this affinity to fall in love with players, like I fall in love with strippers, and he also likes Micah. I think some of the reason, like you said, because he's outgoing and gets you a lot of free publicity, free media. He's gonna pay Micah a, 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 a hefty. So he'll be the highest paid defensive player in the history of the NFL, and he might end up being like the highest paid, like b- highest paid behind I don't know the top two or three quarterbacks in the league. Period. Too like just top five highest paid players overall. Yeah, because uh, he, he's gonna break the bank. But anyway, getting back to the matchup, uh, and that's the the news on Jerry Jones and Odell Beckham Jr. I, like I said, the. The how adamant he was in the statement makes That's me think there's something to it because he basically says he's gonna be he will be a Dallas Cowboy. The, the only other thought in that is that people are saying that Odell should sue Jerry Jones for releasing medical information and ruining his bargaining uh, when he did it, and this is Jerry Jones basically trying to re back up. Basically, like, ooh, I shouldn't have said those things because there is legal precedent that I can walk out and say this guy's not healthy. Yeah, but but I don't. It doesn't. That doesn't seem like a Jerry move. Well, it, let's say it is true. First of all, they can't prove that. They're basically be trying to prove yeah. like a conspiracy or trying to prove. Yeah, exactly. Like, so they're not gonna be able to prove that. But wouldn't it be great negotiation if that was the tactic? To release that information, drive down the value of Odell oh, yeah. Beckham Jr. and drive out some of the the suitors, and now it's just you and somebody else, and he's at a much lower price than you would. So okay. it might just be great negotiation. And yeah, maybe now Jerry's saying, "I'm sorry, Odell, I shouldn't have did that, man. I'll I'll, I'll take care of you." But in the end, it was really just trying to drive down the oh, price, yeah. which he did. I'll take care of you for one more year after this. Uh, two year deal, two year deal, uh, no guarantee money next year. Gonna pay all our guaranteed money this year, yeah, and we can get rid of you next year if we want to. Oh man! Uh, all right, so we we're waiting around to see what happens there. Oh, can we get the uh, this Michael Parsons sound yes. too, Patrick? Okay, so 
early, I think this was I think this was earlier today. Maybe it was yesterday. Uh, Michael Parsons was asked to clarify. I believe it's my man Chill, Clarence Hill of Fort Worth Star Telegram that uh, asked him to clarify the statement that he made on the Von Cast, Von Miller's podcast, that went viral. Everybody perceived it to be trash talk, a bulletin board material, where he asked Von Miller in discussion uh, a discussion about the Eagles and the MVP race and Jalen Hurts, is it the team or the system um, essentially trying to discredit Jalen Hurts? Here is the clarification by Michael Parsons. You getting in the backlash from Philly? That's from Yeah, I'm pretty sure they hate me. (laughs) (laughs) Would you like like to clarify the thing? Are you standing on what you said or what? Uh, I always stand on, I mean, you got to stand on everything you say just as a man. Um, but obviously, they small clipped it and just took one and just took one line of what uh, was really talked about. But um, no pun intended, no or no disrespect to Hurts. I think he's doing great this year. Um, but you know what I mean? I'm a defensive guy, and you know I said their Eagles defense is just a team to watch. I mean, I mean they just got hell of a players over there that's been making plays all year. So. From a defensive aspect, you know, I know how uh, offensive guys just kind of get all the credit. So I just want to stick up for the defensive guys. Because the conversation was most valuable player is it just quarterback. I like that. Uh, it's a nice spin if that wasn't the case. Nice spin there. Um, and I think if you listen to the whole thing, they probably did go into more depth about it. Because he wasn't discrediting the Eagles. It just sounds like he on the podcast was taking credit away from Jalen Hurts. But maybe like he said, I know, I'm just trying to give credit to some of the other pieces that the Eagles have when everybody's trying to show up to Hurts. Uh, that defense is it's the most opportunistic defense in the league, at least the NFL in takeaways, um, I believe. Right? That's, so that's their big uh, kind of calling card and identity defensively. Yeah, and by the way, I want my pass rusher to hate quarterbacks. <laughs> I want them to have an actual problem with the thought of you being you're better than me for being a quarterback. And that is why I want to take your head off every single play. If you go back and you talk to like defensive ends from the seventies and eighties, those dudes into their in, like into their getting older age will tell you like, "I oh, don't talk to him. I don't like him." And you're like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, I don't like him. I don't like that quarterback." NBA beefs back but in no, the day. But no, those defensive ends were just like they don't like quarterbacks. They didn't like they train themselves to be like that dude makes more money than me. That dude is more popular than me. He gets more girls than me, and I am going to try and break his leg for doing it. <laughs> no, you're right, and honestly, that's now blowing up in their faces because now you're getting you know so many roughing the passer penalties. Yeah, that old you know uh, antiquated kind of football mentality of you no, know, the QB is the enemy, and I agree with you. I think you're out. You're the nail on the head. Uh, now that's working against them. Uh, that's why they get new. You know, they you get nearly three roughing the passer penalties per game now. Jeez, and Crazy. you saw their their re their. Uh... They're putting up rules now for uh, oh, yeah. immediate ejection or oh, reviewable yeah, on any hit they deem as don't, defenseless player. Don't touch them quarterbacks. They're telling you. They, and they don't care if you know or you don't. Uh, they don't care if it's obvious. They don't care if you think that it hurts the integrity of the game. Don't touch their big investment, their biggest investments. Don't touch the face of Look, their franchise. Don't touch their quarterbacks. If you're going to bring them down, you better bring them down politely. Yeah, I know. I know apologize they're, they're, they're fake, after you do it. They're fake sliding. <laughs> they're they're spinning off of tackles. They're stiff-arming you. They're running down the sideline yeah. an extra 10 yards because you hey. can't touch them. But if you touch them, it's an extra 15. Yep, which is, in my opinion, that's why And you're almost hurting yourself if you don't get a quarterback that can move yeah. a little bit because they're protecting them anyway. 
They're they're protected of the as long as they stay somewhat in that yeah. pocket. They're going to protect those quarterbacks. So now get one that can move, and he's protected all around the field. Even when he runs down and he does get a good pop, they'll throw the flag. Oh no, we uh, we don't like that unnecessary do roughness. <laughs> they do need to get all these quarterbacks in a room and be like, hey man, we are giving you every ability to uh, to get every penalty you ever wanted. Could you just look like you're hurt when we call the flag, though? Can you stay, can you down. stay down for a second <laughs> so that we can sell this to the people? Because when you get up and go, ooh, BS penalty on them. Oh, we we got them. We got you, ref. When you do that, it kind of laughs in the face of what we're doing. And that's not every play, but you see it enough that you're like, man, your feet. Come on. Young, I don't qu- watch young quarterbacks do it. Older oh, yeah. quarterbacks, they stay down and they milk it. But the, you see the young quarterback, they'll get up and like energize. Like Tyler Heineke, I seen did it one time, and, and like yeah. it actually decided the game though. It and did. then they pointed at the opponents like, "Oh yeah, you just basically gave up that you weren't too you weren't too hurt by yeah. that hit." <laughs> you got my no, older quarterbacks do it because once you get to thirty five and you're on the ground, you're like, "Cool, I'm down here for a while now." Take this, take this little <laughs> respite. Sounds about right to me. Let me stretch out a little bit. Yeah, uh, no, that's a great point though. You're right about that, man. Uh, all right, we got a lot to get into. I want to talk uh, Jacksonville uh, and uh, the matchup they have with the Cowboys, so we'll do that on the other side a little bit too. Uh, Tyron Smith and the experiment at right tackle. We'll dive into that story and Texans versus Chiefs preview. We'll get, get into those in Rod's Round of the Day, but first thing we'll hit in Rod's Round of the Day is a trend that I pointed out to you guys probably in the first month to six weeks of the season, and now that we're in the last month or last six weeks of the NFL season, I think we're getting um, just the same at least similar results, and this is something historic, and I want everybody to to recognize how historic the NFL football is they're watching. We'll come back and we'll talk about that on the other side, right here on Ball Don't Lie, one of four nine horn. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Find out what happens when people stop being polite and start getting real. You ain't keeping it real. My God, okay, it's happening. Everybody stay calm. No, you've done it now. It's time for Rod's Rant of the Day. Hold on to your butts. All right, welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. I want to get into a few items. I want to talk Texans and Cowboys. I want to get into their matchups coming up this weekend. And um, with the Cowboys, their experiment with the right tackle position because they're uh, kind of trying they might moneyball that right tackle position, which is something uh, they haven't really done in a long time, if ever. But we'll get into that coming up here in just a second. This is a trend, though, I think. I noticed in the first uh, six weeks of the NFL season, I've been keeping up with it, and the trend has persisted uh, through week 14 of the NFL season. Uh, early on, I said you are, through the first six weeks of the NFL season, I said you are watching the most competitive uh, NFL product that the NFL has ever put out there. 
um, because the the games were tighter um, in terms of uh, within one score, I should say, within one score, which is for the NFL, eight points um, or even game-winning drives. When you look at game-winning drives, when you look at margin of victory, uh, when you looked at all these different data points, it all pointed to the most competitive product that we've seen from the NFL ever. So, so far this season, you've had 92 games, 90 uh, decisions and two ties that have been decided by six points or fewer. Um, and that is the most through week 14 in NFL history. Put that into perspective, at least half of all games played in nine out of 14 weeks were decided by six points or fewer. <laughs> so that's pretty damn good. That's a competitive product. And NFL always preaches parity. All right. Well, now they have a preposterous uh, <laughs> amount of parity in the league. And some more random stats about how competitive the NFL has been so far this year. Teams are on pace to record 101 game-winning drives so far this season. That's 12 more than any other season since the NFL-AFL merger. And if you adjust, if you adjust for the, the added games of the 17-week season, the pace is still historic. The NFL averaging five-and-a-half game-winning drives per week, <laughs> um, which is it, a ton of parity in the league. And this is this is what the NFL, you know, envisioned and when they and dreamt about when they start talking about parity, a parity driven league um, nearly. And, and mo- most people believe it's, you know, it's at, a, at the cost, if you will, of points. And you're getting the parity that you want, but your points are actually down. Um, scoring is down in the NFL to 22 points uh, per team per game. In 22, that is down from an all-time high of nearly 25 points per game just two seasons ago. Hadn't been that long ago where the, the points and were, were at as prolific as we've ever seen them in the NFL, and, and now they're down to historic lows. Uh, the passing numbers are down, and that's a big part of why uh, the points are down, but maybe that's why the parity is up. Nobody wants to give props to defenses. I think you got to give some props to defenses, too. I mean, you got, you got, like this, think about it. How, many, how many times have we had young defensive backs play this well in the NFL at high level? Sauce Gardner is playing at an all pro level. Tariq Woolen, who's a UTSA, a rookie out of UTSA, is them leading the NFL in picks. Go look at uh, J.C. Horn, the, uh, the corner out of Carolina. Just talking about first and second, third year guys, just young, very young corners. We probably got the best crop of young DBs we've had in a really long time in the NFL. The Texans uh, DB in safety. Oh, Jalen Petrie. and Petrie. Yeah. Oh, Petrie's killing it right now. He's Stingley's balling. not doing bad either. You're right. It's what I'm saying. Like, the, the young DBs, they are, they're, just, they're just better. They're just, I might just say they're just uh, more equipped to deal with the pace and space spread league because that's what they were born into. Like they were all they know is RPOs and package plays and dual threat quarterbacks and you know spread offenses, up tempo. That's all they know. For us, I was I was shell shocked when I first saw the air raid with the up tempo. I was like, what the hell is this? We were all freaking out. Now as they grow up in that. Seven on seven. Every high school team they play is running some version of the air raid, spread offenses, RPOs, dual threat quarterback, zone read options, all that stuff. They don't freak out about it. I think that's a big part of it too. We just got to give the defense some credit. Let's give you know give guys like D'Amico Ryan some credit. Jonathan Gannon, the defensive coordinator for the Eagles, trying to get these defensive uh, coaches a little bit of credit. Because uh, how about this? So passing numbers are down. 
if you look at it, nearly 24%, and, and not only down, like, statistically, but they're more conservative in their passing, period. You go look at it, um, 24% of all pass attempts have been at or behind the line of scrimmage in 2022. That's up nearly six percentage points from 2006. And the highest figure they've seen um, since 2006. So you have the most passes at or behind the line of scrimmage, all right, in the NFL since 2006, or at least the highest rate of them. More conservative pass, basically an extension of the running game. A lot of screens, right, smoke routes, flare routes. Um, quick game, quick game, quick game, quick game. Uh, the average depth of target across the NFL, down. From 8.74 to 7.4. And that, that's over, that's since 2006, by the way. So that's over the same time span I just mentioned for uh, the uh, passes at or behind the line of scrimmage. And, and you go look at yards per attempt, also have hit a 16-year low. Yards, sorry, yards per completion, I apologize. Six, yards per completion is at a 16-year low. 10.9 yards per completion. So uh, it's I just think it's uh, it's a combination of things. Defenders are, I think, better adjusted to the modern game. I think defensive coordinators are coming up with more creative schemes. Um, and I think teams are deciding to morph into more hybrid spread schemes. And it also makes sense. They're working smarter, not harder. And all that's leading to them scoring fewer points. And, you know, it reminded me, and by the way, teams are running the ball more. And that's part of the adjustment of the evolution of adaptation by defenses. If you're going to throw the ball against us, the NFL become a passing league. Um, it was the same evolution that we saw the ecosystem of the Big 12 go through when it became an air raid league. Shout out to Mike Leach. When it became an air raid league, 80% of the teams out there running pace and space spread air raid concepts. Tech teams started to back their safeties up and to the point where teams like hell Alice, they were playing three high safeties and two high safeties. And the, the natural progression of things was that you took away the deep passing options. You took away uh, the deep shots, the vertical passing game downfield. So teams started to throw the football more horizontally. All right. At or behind the line of scrimmage and then started to hand the football off more because they had the numbers in the box. Because you had your your safeties deep with two or three deep safeties, NFL's doing the same thing. Now the NFL, now the Big Twelve is a hybrid spread league that likes to run the ball and play defense. <laughs> and go look at what the NFL's turning into this year, uh, where teams are now averaging four point five yards per carry, the most uh, yards per rush in league history. If it holds, it's the same. It, and I, I said it before the season started, you know, it, it's it's the same evolution that we saw the Big 12 go through. I ain't going to say Blackshaw almost predicted it, but that's exactly I said what would happen if the NFL kept their safeties high, which the NFL was playing more and more, two high coverages, two deep safeties, and even three deep safeties. Well, it's just common sense. Why the hell would I be throwing when you have the numbers advantage in the passing game? I'm just going to run it, and that's what teams are doing. They're running it or they're throwing it underneath. That's part of why the passing numbers are down. Passing numbers being down is going to, you know, lead to your points being down, too. So uh, it's crazy that it's, uh, and I think it'll stick, too. I think this will be historically one of the lowest scoring seasons in NFL history, but turns out it'll be the most competitive NFL product in the history of the NFL. <laughs> so it, it, it's be careful what you wish for. And your mom always tell you that. Be careful what you wish for, uh, because you might just get it. The NFL got exactly what they wanted. They wanted parity-driven football. They wanted 
they want the NFL to be as competitive as it's ever been. And they engineered the draft and they engineered the rules and the salary cap and everything over you know decades as it built around. We want everybody basically to be 500 and they're getting it. But on the flip side, they've also engineered everything. Rules, uh, salary cap too, uh, the personnel, uh, in the management of teams, all of that has been built around points. That's why they protect the quarterbacks. Quarterbacks lead to better passing numbers. Better passing numbers lead to more points, a more prolific lead. You're not getting that, though. So they are getting the parity, but they're not getting the points. That's why they're protecting these quarterbacks. That's why you get nearly three, 2.9 roughing the passer calls Per game now, which last year they were at 1.8 last season. <laughs> like they're, and they're telling you, they're, they're being pretty obvious with it. They don't care if you know they're protecting their quarterbacks and they're going to protect them at all costs. Yeah, you were at 1.8 roughing the passer penalties per game last year. You're at 2.9 now. And they're, I think they're incentivizing and advocating for more, more of those because they want points. If they can protect the quarterback, maybe we'll get more points. It's crazy. Yeah. No, and I mean, again, it's you know, protecting quarterbacks is, hey, slow the slow the rush down by .4 seconds, buy them that little bit more time to get the ball out, pretty much, and that little bit more time to get separation on a on a DB, man, because that's that's why we talk about you know mobile quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes, who is mobile, but it's not downfield mobility as yeah. much as it is stretching plays. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why a guy like Travis Kelsey can be like, how's he open? You're like. Because it's been five seconds. I can't cover a guy that long. Yeah. Like, <laughs> a linebacker cannot cover a guy that long. Nope. And so exactly you're like, that, that type of play right now, and that's where you want to have, hey, mm-hmm. man, we want you to have that little bit of hesitation so that you don't hit Mahomes and he can spin out and then it hits a guy and then it's a 60-yard yeah. pass. You or didn't, you, didn't, you didn't go full throttle trying to hit Patrick Mahomes. You, yeah. were, uh, you were a little uncertain. You went in there, a little cautious because you didn't want to get a penalty. And, oh, he happened to slip right out of your hands or yep. give you the okey-doke. Uh, that's kind of what they're hoping for, too. They want cautious defenders around the quarterback. Yep. And if you're cautious around the quarterback, he can make plays. So that I, you can say it's a Rick game, I guess it is to a certain extent. But quarterbacks, quarterbacks get all the privilege. But what's funny They've is always, that's why you, you just said what you said that everybody's been upset with the quarterbacks for yeah. years since the quarterback club because they get privilege. They've well, always gotten. Privilege. But that's and then the funny part is the reverse of that is you create the monsters, which is why we can name off so many good young DBs and young safeties right now. Oh yeah, because you're like man, it, it you built you did this. You did. You made. You wanted to break the game. Yeah. Too bad they found a way to beat it. Yeah. No, you're right. They, these defensive coordinators, these college coaches, have started to train them differently. They do. And, and I mean, you're right. I mean, look at the cow. Trayvon Diggs, wide receiver, wants to be a wide receiver. I can't remember. It was, I think it was one of the Jets players. Or, or came. Well, one of these players uh, that was a D, he was like, or no, one of the Eagles DBs was like, oh, Darius oh, Slay. Said he Slay. wanted to be a wide receiver because yeah. he get fifteen hundred yards. Yeah, yeah. Like they still don't want to be wide receivers. Yeah. It was Darius, but Slay. they're they're trained now to be like, oh no, I want to. So I want to prove the wide receivers that I'm better than them. Yeah, and I I have to play a different way to do it. It's just weird, man. I, I just haven't seen a good crop of DBs like that. You're gonna have an all pro as a rookie, yeah. a corner. It's been a while since we've seen that. And there, like I said, there are other good ones all around the NFL. Where you talking about Patrick Sertain, uh, the second? Are you talking about J.C. Horn? He's another really good young DB. You talked about. Um, with, with Trevon Diggs, he's another really good one. Stingley and Trayvon Petrie. Yeah, I mean, if you just look at how many are on rookie contracts right now. There's a bunch like, of them. 
underpaid rookie yeah. contract guys that can play against this rig system. And it's, Tariq Willens uh, from UTSA, he's leading the league in picks, or at least one of the league leaders in picks. Yeah, he's a rookie too. Um, so I think that's the, yeah, you're right. Sunday evolution of the ecosystem. No, you're there. right, Rod. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Uh, all right, we come back. Uh, I promise you, we will get you a Cowboys Jacksonville Jaguars preview. We will talk some Cowboys. Going to talk some Texans as well. We'll get that done in the next couple of segments. All that more right here on Ball Don't Lie. Wonderful, nothing horse. Welcome back to Ball Don't Lie right here on 104.9 The Horn. 512 Friday edition of Ball Don't Lie. We play jams from local bands and artists that you can catch right here in the ATX. Who are we jamming right now, Patrick? This is Favor, and they are playing tonight at Far Out Lounge. Oh, that's right. It's going to be a good time at Far Out Lounge. I just got a good feeling about that. I'm not, I won't be there to see it. I'm guaranteed it's going to be a damn good time. Uh, all right. Uh, we're having a good time on the show. we got a little hour, uh, basically an hour left in the show to this week, and I want to get in some Cowboys discussion. Um, so we will talk uh, Cowboys. We'll talk about uh, Trevor Lawrence, who he's been hot. He's actually the last five games. You're talking about one of the hotter quarterbacks in the NFL, and uh, the Cowboys, you know, they'll have their hands full in that regard, but they, the Cowboys should win this game. I don't know what the line is. I'll get into that next segment and tell you exactly what the line is, but the Cowboys should win this game. And, and the reason that I'm, I'm confident that the Cowboys are going to win it is um, their pass rush versus the offensive line of Jacksonville, which, by the way, hasn't been bad, has not been terrible. Uh, they only allowed 23 sacks, but 11 of those have come in the last four games. And when they've played a team with a top seven sack rate, Cowboys are number one, by the way. When they face a team with a top seven sack rate, it, they've, uh, they've allowed 13 sacks in those three games. When they face a team with a top seven sack rate, Cowboys are number one. So I, I think the Cowboys are going to be able to get to them. The question is that other corner opposite of Trevon Diggs. Will that be a problem for the Cowboys going up against a really hot quarterback? They brought in Trayvon Mullen um, as a former second-round pick on the practice squad, 25-year-old cornerback uh, with a lot of upside. Uh, they brought in McKenzie Alexander, veteran cornerback there. Um, but remember, Bossman Fats, Nation Wright, other guys they have on the roster to try to fill that void at that cornerback spot opposite Trayvon Diggs. That's going to be a problem. And also, Jonathan Hankins' injury. Remember, Jonathan Hankins, they brought him in, the big run uh, run stuffer. Uh, he brought him in uh, to really try to help them shore up that rush defense, and it did work. He came, Since he came in, the Cowboys have been a better rush defense, and they're, they played more Damone Clark at that other linebacker spot uh, opposite uh, Leighton Vander Esch. You know you've been rotating Micah at different places because Micah's been dealing with an injury too. But to me, you know, that rush defense, seeing how it holds up against an, an average rushing attack, they're nothing special. Uh, Travis Etienne is just a decent back, but he's starting to hit a little bit of a wall because he hadn't played football prior to this year. He hadn't played in like a year and a half, really, because of injuries. And whoever that other corner is, right now I think it's going to be Boss Man Fats and Nation Wright, maybe. I mean, they're kind of giving up on Nation Wright, honestly. I think that the solution for me would probably be to move Deron Bland the nickel out to the corner and he's been really consistent. If you can play nickel, you can play the outside corner. Trust me, as a guy who did both. And then you have three of the best safeties in the league with Donovan Wilson, uh, J. Run Curse, and Malik Cooker. And I just play my three safeties, and I let one of my best covering safeties play the, mm, the de facto nickel when you have to have somebody in coverage. 
That's what I would do. Uh, okay, we'll talk Cowboys and Jacksonville Jaguars on the next segment. We'll get a lot of uh, NFL news notes and nuggets in next hour. Also, we'll talk about Texas uh, recruiting class for the 2023 uh, recruiting class, and we'll talk about the five-star linebacker, uh, Anthony Hill, that just uh, committed to the Longhorns and really put them over the top as a top-three recruiting class uh, right now. We'll get to that. Um, Texas, the top-ranked volleyball team in the nation, um, survived a little bit of a shaky start against San Diego. Diego, uh, but end up uh, winning. they win uh, 20, they won a set 25-18, 25-18, and 25-20. to 20. They won the final three sets. They lost the first set, so started out a little bit shaky, but then close really strong. Um, so the Longhorns now head to the national championship match for the ninth time in history, and they're going to face either Louisville or Pittsburgh on Sunday. Do we know? Louisville. It's already done. Okay. They're, uh, they're facing gonna... Louisville, 7 p.m. on ESPN2 if you want to watch the game. There you go. Or right. a match. Yep, uh, Texas looking for their third NCAA championship, first since 2012. So a lot of pressure on the ladies, but uh, they have responded extremely well to that pressure all season long. 27-1. and one. Talking about one loss all season long. They've been clutch. The Longhorns are considered that, you know, a volleyball powerhouse. Hey, uh, we're getting beach volleyball now, too, to keep true. growing the brand. Good point. Yeah, and yeah, the CDC says that, you know, that beach volleyball is like the future of volleyball. Like, hey, just, that's what they were saying is, hey, man, if you want to compete in volleyball, you need to have beach volleyball. Yeah. And so Texas got beach volleyball because they're serious about this. So we'll go with another national title. Uh, do you see the Director's Cup rankings that Texas is above pace where they were last year? Are you serious? Are, really? Yeah. They're no. ahead of the pace they that were be, last year. And they've won two in a row, correct? Yeah. And, and they're, 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 they're ahead of pace. In the third one, to yes. win the third one. Wow. To win three in a row. CDC? Yeah. Uh, maybe CDC is earning all that paycheck these days. <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't all sunshines and rainbows over there behind the burnt orange curtain. Now you got some work to do, but uh, CDC is doing a damn good job, man. We know that. That's why you keep uh, hearing about Texas winning Directors' Cups and leading in Directors' Cup standings for the best overall athletic department. And uh, the ladies of our volleyball team are a big part of that. Uh, so congrats to them, but the mission is not over. They still got a title to bring home versus Louisville. Um, so uh, best of luck to the ladies, too. All right, we come back we'll uh got one more hour we'll well kind of have a gumbo just say smorgasbord if you will of topics we'll talk texas recruiting getting a five-star linebacker rojo and Bijan uh being top 10 running backs uh listed by mel kuyper as positional rankings for his draft uh board we'll also get into nfl news notes and nuggets cowboys jaguars texans chiefs a ton all of that and more right here on ball don't lie on 104.9 the horn